Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is the annual NBA GM survey episode. We'll go through the NBA.com GM survey. How many Timberwolves mentions were there? Which players were not mentioned at all? And which categories were the Wolves somehow not included in? Um, some curious answers from the GMs, but a strong showing by the Timberwolves in the GM survey. We're going to get to it all today. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves preseason game day. And a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. And of course, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Also, a reminder that Lockdown Wolves, along with all of our other Lockdown Minnesota podcasts, are now available on our own app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. It's part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. You can find the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there. More great local sports coverage 24-7. It's absolutely free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can listen to all of our fantastic Lockdown Minnesota pods there. All right, so the Wolves do play the Lakers tonight in Las Vegas. And uh, not a whole lot to say about that in terms of um, in terms of previewing the game. We're not sure yet who's playing, who's not. There has, As of this recording, the Timberwolves haven't ruled anybody out publicly. Um, it would be a shock if Carl Diddy Towns played, given that he just started practicing three days ago. Um, but who knows on, on D'Lo and Rudy Gobert, it's always a possibility uh, that one of those guys sees the floor. We just don't know yet as of this recording. So we'll find out more Thursday night. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, today is really the NBA GM survey show, which is one of my favorites of the year. Um, I'm, I think this is a really fun exercise. There's been 21 of them they've done at NBA.com and they talk to all 30, uh, decision makers and, you know, ask a number of, of interesting questions. And the Timberwolves are perennially one of the, Oh, they could be a breakout team. They've got one of the best young cores, Carl Tiddy Towns. I'd start a team with cat. You know, that was only like four years ago. GMs voted him as, as the number one player to start a team with. Um, and you know, th- there's been a lot of wolves appearances it's taken an entirely different tone this year. So a couple, there's a couple ways to attack this, but what I'd like to do is kind of go through and talk about where the Wolves as a team were mentioned, then talk about where certain players were mentioned, um, and then obviously other players, non-Wolves players that you know ranked in these same categories, and then also a couple of categories that I was really surprised that the Wolves uh, somehow weren't mentioned in, or at least I was surprised about the teams that were mentioned in, um, and, and just, you know, how that ended up shaking out. So we'll start with the Wolves as a team. Each year, part of the survey is what will the finish be in the standings um, in each conference? So in the Western Conference this year, the rankings based on votings from the voting from the GMs, they rank everybody, I think, one through nine. Um, or I guess, yeah, that must be how they do it. Um, the Clippers are first, are actually tied with Golden State, but the Clippers receive more second place votes. So the Clippers are in first. Golden State's really interesting. Um, they're second on this list with 48% first place votes, but they also had votes as low as fourth. 
um, and had teams that ranked them even lower, or had, uh, yeah, had GMs that ranked them even lower uh, because they had a much lower second place and third place total than the Clippers. But at any rate, the Clippers are first, Golden State is second, Phoenix third. They're the only other team to receive any first place votes. Denver fourth, Memphis fifth, and Minnesota and Dallas tied for sixth. Now, one other interesting note, Minnesota did receive a vote for third place. Dallas did not. Golden State didn't receive any third place votes. They only received first, second, fourth, and lower. Um, So the Wolves were one of only five teams to receive third place votes in the West. They received 7% fourth place votes, and pretty much everybody else obviously had them lower than that. So they tied with Dallas for six. Of course, Dallas ends up having a phenomenal season last year, but with the loss of Jalen Brunson and some of their curious offseason moves, I think a lot of people believe Minnesota will be better than them. I think it's interesting that they're so distantly behind Memphis. I think it's interesting that... Phoenix and Denver both have so much support in that in that second and third uh, voting, second to fourth voting. Um, I'd probably, you know, again, I haven't made my official predictions, but I'd probably slide in Minnesota at this point ahead of Denver, maybe right behind Phoenix at fourth uh, and also ahead of Memphis. Um, that's where I think we'll end up. I don't necessarily think that like sitting here right now, I'm going to make the argument that Minnesota is a better team roster. They'll be better, you know, opening night than Denver or Memphis. But I think by the end of the season, that's where we'll be. Uh, for some context here, last season, 80% of the people in this poll picked the Los Angeles Lakers to win the Western Conference. Now, obviously, there were injury issues. But, um, I mean, I told, I think I probably did say at the time how crazy it was that people thought the Russell Westbrook thing would work out because it turns out he hasn't been good in a little while. And that just was never going to work. And there were there were plenty of issues at play for the Lakers. But to have 80% of GMs pick them to win the West last year, I just can't believe that considering the fact that nobody got more than 48% of the vote this year. Incidentally, the order last season in the polling was Lakers, Utah, Phoenix, which aren't far off, Denver, which obviously had more injury issues and finished lower than people thought, Golden State, which I had Golden State a little bit lower than that. This poll had them fifth, and, and clearly they were better than that. The Clippers, Dallas, and Portland. So overall, not terrible. Obviously, way overselling the Lakers, Slightly overselling, you know, a couple other teams in there, underselling Golden State, way overselling Portland. Obviously, the Damon Lillard injured cha- injury changed things drastically for them. But uh, this poll isn't exactly, you know, these guys may be GMs, but if they all had a crystal ball, then they would all win the title every year, right? So um, it's an interesting exercise. But at any rate, the Wolves are tied for sixth. The other team highlights here is that the Wolves were tied for second in best overall offseason moves, um, which I, you know, I'm actually a little bit surprised that they ranked that well in that particular category uh, because of all the, actually, I shouldn't say that the media should be surprised. They ranked that well because the narrative is, Oh team. I mean, you hear Brian Windhorst on ESPN and, and, and obviously some of what Brian does is great, but there, and he's not the only one. So I, I shouldn't call him out, but there's a handful of media people that are like, Oh, GMs can't believe how much the Timberwolves gave up. Well, I mean, they tied for a second in this poll, 17%. I believe if my math is correct, that means five or six different GMs voted them as the best overall moves this offseason. Not as the, I can't believe they gave up so many picks. Not a, you know, that's that's five or six. So, you know, 20% of the GMs in the league. No, that's terrible math. Whatever it is, percent more than that, percent of GMs in the league think that the Wolves had, this, had the best overall moves this offseason. Um, the Cavs got 41% were easily first. I get that. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell overall, I've talked about this before, is a bit overrated in terms of what he actually supplies. He fits that roster well, and they also made some good ancillary moves. So I get it. 
The Wolves were tied for second with the Sixers and the Jazz. Um, and the only other teams that received votes were the Celtics, who I believe won this last year. Oh, no, sorry. The Heat won this last year. And then the Sacramento Kings also got some votes. Um, but it, like the point here is that this narrative that everybody thinks the Wolves are insane and they ruined it for everybody because they gave up so many picks. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, well, there's at least five or six GMs that don't think that, plus the Wolves, right? So, I mean, like you're talking uh, a pretty good chunk of the league that uh, that would co-sign this as not just an okay offseason, not just you know a, a reasonable investment into Rudy Gobert, but the best offseason in the NBA. So uh, let's not lose sight of, of how of 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 that you know angle here. I guess uh, related to that, the Timberwolves are also listed as the fourth most improved team, which is a I think a similar question. Um, or I guess the question is which team will be most improved this year. So the Clippers won because obviously Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, healthy. Uh, okay, sure. Um, the Cavs and Pelicans tied for second. I don't know about. I mean. I guess I could buy both those. Obviously, with the Pelicans, it's about a full season of McCollum and, and obviously a healthy Zion. Uh, the Timberwolves are fourth with 10%. Other teams receiving votes, the Nets, Pistons, Blazers, and Kings. Um, if, if the question is most improved, I wouldn't vote for the Wolves as most improved because that makes me think who wins the most, who improves their win total the most. I mean, I think the Clippers and Cavs and Pelicans are all better options than the Timberwolves. I think the Wolves... Well, ultimately, because the Wolves won 46 games last year. I mean, they may win 10 more games, but the Clippers, I mean, if, they, if those guys are reasonably healthy, that could be 12, 15 games improvement. Um, you know, I think the Wolves are certainly in the conversation, but if I were, you know, they, they if we were betting on this, the odds at Bet Online would not be, you know, all that favorable for the Wolves because they already were a pretty good team last year. They, they had a better record than the Clippers, the Cavs, and the Pelicans last season. Um, so it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't make a ton of sense. At any rate, um, a couple more team things to get to, and then we'll get on to the player stuff. First, though, let's talk about our best, our some of our very best friends over at betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you could find. Tons of great football this weekend, college Saturday, NFL Sunday, um, the London game again Sunday morning. The Vikings had it last week. This week it's the Packers. Uh, so a ton of games to bet on over at Bet Online. That has to be where you go for all your football betting, and also win totals for the NBA season. We're a couple of weeks out now from regular, actually less than two weeks from the Timberwolves regular season opener. Um, so I mean, if you're going to get on win totals, now's the time to do it. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, and more, head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, continuing on the NBA survey. First, though, uh, uh, once again, a thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. And a reminder to check out the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview starting October 10th. That's this coming Monday. A six-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NBA season. The local team experts and the NBA insiders of the Lockdown Podcast Network and Odyssey 
all combined into one Ultimate NBA Preview starting Monday the 10th, this coming Monday. Search for Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, so the next, so the Timberwolves were um, tied for sixth in the West in the rankings. They did receive a vote for third. They were tied for second in best overall offseason moves and fourth in most improved. They were also tied for fourth in level of success toughest to predict. I'll read the exact, um, I guess, verbiage here in a second. Uh, which team's level of success this season is toughest to predict? The Timberwolves were tied for fourth. Brooklyn, number one at 32%. That's who I would have voted for. The Lakers, second at 18%. I get that. Memphis, third at 14%. I, I you know, I, I less, th- I think that's a little less difficult, right? I think it'll be pretty similar, maybe a little bit worse, right? I mean, is Job really going to take another leap? No Jaron Jackson for at least a third of the season, if not half of the season. You know, DeAnthony Melton, Kyle Anderson moving on. Um, I, I think it's going to be a similar season, probably a little bit worse. I don't think that's that hard to predict. And then tied for fourth, the Chicago Bulls, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, and also the Sixers. Others receiving votes, the Clippers and Blazers. Um, I get the Wolves there. You know, it. I I don't think it's that hard. I mean, as somebody who covers the team to, to predict what's going to happen, I think the regular season, they're going to win 50 to 55 games. Again, I'll put a, I'll put a finer point on that later. Um, I think they'll be a top four seed in the West. I think they'll be really good. I think they'll probably win in the first round of the playoffs. It's, I mean, I actually don't think that the range of outcomes this season is all that broad for the Wolves, believe it or not. I think that the floor is basically a little better than where they were last year, you know, barring catastrophic injury, knock on wood. And the ceiling is is probably a maybe the third seed in the West and maybe a conference finals type, you know, birth. Like, I think it's a relatively narrow path. Last year, you could have told me any number of things and, and you could have talked me into it. Um, this year, I feel like, hey, I mean, I guess if Ant takes like a leap leap, like beyond even what Jaw did from year two to three, then who knows? I mean, the sky really is the limit this year for the Wolves. Um, I, you know, I, I tend to think that it's another year before that happens, but um, hopefully I'm wrong. I, I just, I, I think it's, I would not have listed them under toughest to predict in terms of season result. The last team mentioned was number one and most surprising move, which should not be surprising to us that that is the case. That's the Rudy Gobert acquisition. I was a little surprised that it only got 47% of the vote. So only what of the 15 GMs that are the 30 GMs, that means 14 of them voted Gobert to Minnesota as the most surprising move. Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland was second, which sure, 43%. And then a couple of votes for DeJounte Murray to Atlanta and one for Drummond to Chicago, um, which is, I guess, maybe if, if the GMs in Cleveland and Minnesota couldn't vote for their own moves, which is possible, then um, I guess that means one other GM voted for the Murray one and one of the Minnesota, either Minnesota or Cleveland voted for Murray or Drummond as the most surprising moves. Doesn't matter. It's just weird. Okay, um, moving on to player mentions. And coach, I should say. Players and coach. Um, Anthony Edwards was listed as tied for second for having a breakout year this season. Um, that's not a surprise. That makes a ton of sense to me that he would be listed there. Tied for second with Cade Cunningham next behind Evan Mobley, number one. I think Mobley and Edwards, I mentioned this actually on the Odyssey roundtable that's going to uh, go up next week. I was in the On the Rise uh, Odyssey roundtable with uh, various Lockdown Cavs, actually. So we talked a little bit about Mobley, Lockdown Raptors. We talked about Scotty Barnes. Um and and I, I talked about how I think Edwards and Mobley and also Scotty Barnes, but especially Edwards and Mobley are kind of on that same trajectory where everybody kind of has them and like, like, hey, they're they're both kind of in that, you know, 20th to 30th best player. They're borderline all-stars, but their ceiling is like maybe top three player in the league, right? 
that's how everybody seems to feel about both Evan Mobley and Anthony Edwards. So I buy both of them being there uh, in this. So Mobley got one more vote than Edwards first with 21%. Edwards tied with Cade at second with 17%. I would, I would say both Mobley and Edwards over Cade simply because the infrastructure is there with those teams more so than it is for Detroit, a bit more continuity. I think, I think Detroit certainly improved their roster this off season, but um, there, I don't think there's enough around Cade for him like yet. There's some nice young talent, but I don't think there's enough there yet to say like, Hey, he's got the support to have a truly, you know, a, a real breakout season. <clears throat> Interestingly, um, also receiving votes here is Rudy Gobert. We'll get back to that in a minute, but he was actually under also receiving votes. I don't know how a three-time defensive player of the year and three-time all-star is under most likely to have a breakout season, but um, that's where we're at. The one other Anthony Edwards mention was under most athletic player. Um, Again, not a surprise, maybe a little bit of a surprise that he's third on this list. Uh, Well, I should say, um, where'd he go? I thought he was third on the list. Um, there it is. Yeah, he's third on the list. Uh, so John Morant is first. Giannis is second. Anthony Edwards is a relatively distant third. Uh, so thirty-eight percent of the vote to John Morant for most athletic player. Thirty-one percent to Giannis, and then twenty-one percent for Anthony Edwards. Zion still gets seven percent at fourth, and LeBron still got a vote and landed at fifth for most athletic player in the league last year. Zion won that vote, which kind of surprises me. I guess. I guess he was coming off an exciting end to the season prior. But um, Edwards is third on the most athletic list, so I get that. That makes sense to me. Uh, Not a surprise. Uh, The next player to talk about is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is listed five different times in this survey. We talked about him as tied for, uh, well, I guess this goes along with the other conversation that we had earlier in the podcast, but Gobert was was tied for uh, the the, uh, best offseason acquisition. He was also listed as under other for underrated acquisition. Um, or I, I should rephrase that. He wasn't second in it. So the best overall moves, the Timberwolves were tied for second. Rudy was listed as second as the one player acquisition that will make the biggest impact on their team. So Donovan Mitchell was first at 59%. Rudy Gobert got second with 31%. Jalen Brunson fourth or third at 7%. PJ Tucker fourth at 3%. Um, Rudy, I, th- this makes a lot of sense to me. I, and again, it goes back to what I said earlier. I think Cleveland may have a bigger win total improvement because they have a little bit further to go. They had some of those injuries last year um, and you know had, had a couple of rough stretches after a really great start. So I could buy them having a bigger gap in terms of win total improvement. Um, and Donovan Mitchell is going to help spur that. And then Rudy being second, sure. Um, 31%, a pretty clear second place in that in that voting, clearly ahead of third place Brunson. So I get that. Um, I'm on board with that. It makes sense. I understand why Cleveland's first. Um, Rudy's also mentioned under underrated acquisition, as I said a little bit ago. Um, or I guess, I, no, I said he was rated under other for breakout season, which is nuts to me because he's won three Defensive Player of the Year awards as a three-time All-Star, has made all NBA teams. I don't know how you suddenly have a breakout unless, unless somebody thinks he's going to go from like, a top 20 player to like a top five player. I like, I don't know how that happens with Rudy's game at age 30, but um, who knows? And then um, the other, the other uh, Rudy um, note here was most underrated player acquisition under other receiving votes. So one team voted Rudy as the most underrated player acquisition, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then also he's mentioned, of course, under 
uh, all the defensive categories. So under best defensive player in the NBA, Giannis is number one at 48%. Draymond Green, number two, still at 24%. Rudy, number three at 10%, which is is likely three votes with the way the, uh, you know, each vote is roughly three and a half percent. So rounding up to 10%. So three teams voted Rudy as the best overall defensive player in the league. Um, players received single votes. Adebayo, Drew Holiday, um, Kawhi Leonard, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons still received a vote. Andrew Wiggins received a vote for best defensive player in the league. Giannis for the second year in a row wins the voting. Rudy is third at 10%. I probably would say he's second to Giannis and ahead of Draymond Green at this point in time, but um, it's it's whatever. Best interior defender in the NBA, Rudy easily wins that 83%, which means that all but five teams, so 25 of the 30 teams voted Rudy as the best interior defender in the NBA. Again, I don't think anyone can get 100% because I don't think you can vote for your own player. So likely the Timberwolves front office voted for Giannis or Draymond Green. Giannis got 10%, which is three votes. Draymond got 7%, which is two votes for best interior defender. So Rudy wins that voting 25 out of 30 teams, 83% of votes. And last year, he won that category, too, with 77% of the vote. Um, okay, we'll close the show. I want to talk about Chris Finch and also somebody who we haven't talked about that didn't hit any of these survey lists. And then some surprising results on some categories that I thought maybe the Wolves could get some mentions. I just thought that the uh, you know where, where they landed was, was really interesting. All right, let's close out the NBA GM survey conversation with a little Chris Finch action. So Chris Finch pops up twice on this survey. Now, we all know that Chris Finch is well-respected prior to becoming a head coach. He, he, every year, pretty much, was at least for, you know, the five or so years prior to coming to Minnesota. There's also a question here that who's the best assistant coach in the league? And almost every year, Chris Finch was on there. He ranked highly. Front offices think highly of Chris Finch. He'd interviewed for a ton of jobs before the Wolves hired him. And that comes through in this survey. He's listed in the which head coach mix the best in-game adjustments question. Ty Lue won that one going away 55% of the vote. Nick Nurse and Eric Spolstra tied for second with 17% each. Chris Finch was among the others receiving votes along with Rick Carlisle and Jason Kidd. So some really good company there for Chris Finch for best game, best in-game adjustments. I think certainly that's been the case. Finch has had those moments. I don't know that I would have voted him as the best in the league in that category. Um, because there, I think there were some things that plus just in general game management things that, you know, his first full years I had coach last year were nitpicking, but things that like you could kind of tell took a little bit to, to come around and clearly game to game Finch makes great adjustments. And I wonder if, if this is kind of the next thing is like, then that becomes something that is more prevalent in game versus just game to game. So um, nice to see him get a vote there. And then which head coach runs the best offense? Steve Kerr wins that one going away, 62%. And then Chris Finch second with 14%, which what do we say? That's, um, I think that's four votes is 14%. Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks, and Nick Durst of the Raptors, both tied for third with 7%. Carlisle, Taylor Jenkins with the Grizzlies, interestingly enough. And Monty Williams with Phoenix also received votes for best offense. But Chris Finch is second. And I think that's really interesting, too, because in my mind, it's more about the possibilities in Chris Finch's offense because of all the different things he has done. There were times last year where it wasn't all that creative, but it also doesn't need to be when your talent is that great. Remember, he always talks about putting up bumpers to let the players kind of figure it out within the parameters of the offense. And generally, I think that's what the Wolves do. Um, and and I guess I guess choosing to run less of a, of a structured offense is also part of this, right? It's part of having a good offense or a not so good offense if it doesn't work. 
So um, it'll be interesting to see what what this looks like. I think this year, you know, what the Wolves are going to obviously play fast, but with Rudy as a you know as a trailer in a lot of cases. What does the secondary break look like for the Wolves? What are those secondary actions coming out of transition? Um, and how much pick and roll do they add back in? Because they did less of it last year than they did under Ryan Saunders. But with D'Lo and Rudy, if Ta- especially if Towns isn't on the floor, that's what you're doing. How many horn sets do they run with Towns popping and Gobert diving to the rim? How much, you know, does Towns still get mid-post touches like he did a bunch last year? So I think this is really interesting. But... But in my mind, it makes sense because it it's because Finch allows his team so much leeway within the bumpers, but also there's a lot of possibilities because he has run pretty much everything. It's not like, hey, you know, Rick Adelman's fantastic, but like, hey, I'm Rick Adelman, here's what I run. Or a better example would be, hey, I'm Phil Jackson or one of Phil Jackson's assistants, Kurt Rambis, whoever, this is what I run, right? It's adapting to the personnel, saying like, oh, you know what? I did this in New Orleans. I did this in Toronto. I did this in Memphis. Um and, or, or, you know, when I was in the Rockets organization and being able to pull on these different things, try things based on personnel. Um, in that sense, it's a little bit more Greg Popovich-y in my mind, um, or Popovich-ish, whichever, uh, extension to the word, to the name Popovich you prefer, uh, you know, which is obviously a very good thing. Pop is one of the best coaches of all time in any sport. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's really cool to see him second on this list. Steve Kirby and first, I get that too. So, um, yeah, good for Finch. Um, okay, last thing. No Carl Anthony Towns mentions, which I, I don't know this for sure. I'd have to go way back in time. I don't think, I think this may be the first year we've seen him not mentioned at all. It used to be, you know, player you'd start a team with. Breakout season is a big one. Um, those are probably the two, but he was always on the list somewhere. No Carl Anthony Towns mentioned. Obviously, no D'Angelo Russell mentioned this year. Um, so it's restricted to Ant, Rudy Gobert, Chris Finch, and the team as a whole. So I thought that was a little bit interesting, at least. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to mention was some surprises. The Timberwolves didn't get any votes for the question related to the best young core, um, which maybe, sh- or the prom- most promising young core, shouldn't be surprising because Towns and D'Lo are both now, what, 27, 28? They're in their prime. Rudy's 30. So Ant is the young core. I mean, unless you want to include Jade McDaniels. So like you could say Ant, Jade McDaniels, maybe Jalen Noel. People really like their draft. I mean, you could make the argument. Um, But then you look at some of the teams on the list and it's like, okay, I get it. Cleveland, number one at 41%. Obviously, Evan Mobley, you know, um, uh, Darius Garland, like the amount of youth that they have. Now, Donovan Mitchell now is is pretty close to Towns D'Lo age. I think he he might be 26, 27. Um, but, you know, Jared Allen's in that same vicinity. So they're not ultra young, but I think it's more just it's they don't have anybody that's like that 30 and up like D'Lo, Cat, Rudy are all just a little bit older. Memphis at 38 percent. I guess I buy that, you know, in addition to John Morant, you got Jaron Jackson Jr., I guess would be the other one. Um, but I mean, like Desmond Bain's already 24 this year and like everybody else, Brandon Clark's 26, like everybody else is, is late twenties or older. So not an ultra young core beyond jaw and Jerry Jackson jr. Uh, they're second in voting Pistons third. Uh, yeah. Cart before the cart before the horse, just a little bit, but I understand it. Others even votes Pelicans, Thunder magic. The Pelicans really aren't that young besides Zion. So I don't like CJ McCollum's not young. Um, Brandon Ingram is again, like, what similar age to, to cat at this point. Uh, and then the magic are on, on there for others receiving votes as well. I think a lot of people really like Paolo Bancaro, which is the primary reason why you're going to see them there. Uh, the other one that was a bit surprising was, um, any player to start a franchise, not because there weren't any wolves mentioned, but because there were only two players mentioned at all, which usually there's, there's quite a few. Um, 
if you uh, you probably guessed the two, right? Giannis got 55% of the vote. Luka Doncic got 45%. Also, what was interesting to me is that last year, Luka won this vote with only 43%, which means that 40% or less of people last year would have started with Giannis. But then after last season, they picked him as, you know, if you could start a franchise today and sign any player, who would it be? Giannis gets 55%, Luka second with 45%. So a bit surprising to me. No Jokic, you know, love, no Evan Mobley, no... um no Anthony Edwards. Like the thought here was like, these guys are already superstars and they're still relatively young. And, and I, you know, that makes sense. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting that there wasn't like everybody of 30 GMs. They all said one of two people. It wasn't like you didn't have six different answers, which is kind of what I would have expected. Um, uh, but at any rate, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out at NBA.com. John Schumann does a great job with everything he does at NBA.com. I, I say this during the season when we do power rankings, um, his power rankings are the best ones by far of any site out there. So go check out everything John Schumann does at NBA.com. But the NBA GM survey is a fantastic read. So go read that when you get a chance. A big thank you once again to uh, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Um, of course, we're available anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes YouTube. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. You can also download the new Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku or Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7. It's absolutely free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Programming note, of course, we'll have a show Friday. It will be the post-game pod. It'll post Friday morning following the late Wolves game on Thursday. It's on ESPN at the Lakers on a neutral site court in Vegas. Wolves-Lakers at 9 p.m. So we'll do a post-game pod, a bit more of a built-out post-game pod on Friday than we did earlier this week. Um, And that'll be... uh, and then we'll look ahead to next week. Tons more preseason action for the Wolves, perhaps. Town sees the floor next week. Um, so we'll talk about all that as well. A uh, reminder that, of course, Lockdown Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. A reminder that you can make your second list in Locked On Fantasy Basketball. The fantastic Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.